Hi there, welcome to the podcast. Uh, before we start, usually we have a little comedic bit up the top where we just mess around a little bit, but we didn't really have anything today and we thought we didn't want to give you subpar what passes for comedy. Now, I know that hasn't stopped us in the past, but this time we thought we'd be upfront about it at least. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. I think that counts as subpar comedy. <laughs> there we go. Uh, I'm Jamie Adams. And I'm Ian McAllister, and this is Brainwaves episode 73, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the 17th of May, 2021. Richard Hallowell, one of the co-creators of Warhammer Fantasy Battles, passes away. California cracks down on counterfeit counters. And the games go gold for the Golden Geeks. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. Jamie, we've got a little bit of sad news at the top of the cast. Yes, of course, and this is sad news that Richard Hallowell, one of the co-creators of Warhammer Fantasy Battles and an early creative force behind Early Games Workshop, has passed away. Now, in 1983, Hallowell, Rick Priestley and Tony Ackland co-created Warhammer Fantasy, based on Hallowell and Priestley's earlier war game Reaper, but on a larger scale and with a more elaborate world. Now, as well, Hallowell helped develop the second and third editions of Warhammer Fantasy Battles, and helped with the first edition of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. I've said Warhammer a lot there, and I'll say it only a couple more times. As well as Warhammer, he designed games such as Rogue Trooper, Imperial Commander, and Block Mania, which was a game set in the Judge Dredd universe. Um, he also co-created Space Hulk in 1989 with Dean Bass, for which he won the Origins Awards twice in two years. It won Best Fantasy or Science Fiction Board Game of 1989 for Space Hulk the Original, where he was credited as the sole developer, interestingly. And the same category was won in 1990 for the Gene Stealer expansion. Sadly, he passed away on the 3rd of May. Our thoughts are with his family. I mean, I don't know, this might be hyperbolic, so feel free to disagree with me, Ian, or if you're listening, anyone, get in contact. I think... Miniatures gaming has existed for a long time. You know, H.G. Wells famously was a fan of miniature wargaming. But I don't think it would have such a prominent place in popular culture if it wasn't for Warhammer Fantasy. And, of course, Warhammer 40,000. But you wouldn't have Warhammer 40,000 without Warhammer Fantasy. I think that's an incredibly fair comment. I mean, like or dislike Games Workshop, their influence is undeniable on the modern miniature scene and still exist. They are the largest sort of wargame company in the world. And they still go great guns. They've had a massively successful lockdown. They've done incredibly well over the last year or so, as as we've reported on a couple of times. And this is a name I didn't actually know. I, I knew some of the other names in there, like Rick Priestley, but I, I didn't actually know Richard Alliwell's name at all, which uh, I will have to rectify that situation and read up a little bit more on him. But yeah, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay for me was a, was a big influence, and I played the Warhammer Fantasy Battle Games when I was at school. Yeah massive influence on me and my gaming right yeah a very sad loss for the industry yep uh, same i got into warhammer when i was about nine or ten with some friends that introduced me to it and one of those friends i still play warhammer fantasy roleplay with to this day yeah you know it's what can we say it's they helped design warhammer yeah and, right. and it's huge in the tabletop yeah. gaming scene for better or for ill yeah his legacy will live on because he helped design a game that bring people together all across the world I believe we're going to California, Ian, but we're something to do with the Amazon. I, I thought that was in South America. See, this is what passes for subpar comedy, uh, as I was talking up the top. And 
Excellent callbacks as well. Yes, indeed. So a case brought by a plaintiff over a hoverboard that caught on fire that they bought through Amazon in 2015 has resulted in California court cracking down on Amazon's responsibility for third-party goods. Basically, what happens with Amazon is that Amazon Marketplace is a front where lots of third parties can sell their goods. Uh, you probably bought something through Amazon and through Amazon's Marketplace, where it's not Amazon directly selling it to you. It's a third party using Amazon's storefront to do that. And this ruling has basically said that Amazon is responsible for those goods. Amazon did try to argue that it is a platform connecting customers with sellers, that it isn't actually responsible. It's just providing, a st just providing the storefront. But the court found that there is a direct link in the vertical chain of distribution under California's strict liability doctrine. So basically, meaning that Amazon is absolutely responsible for everything sold on its platform. Now, this does only apply in California, but it might be that this ruling spreads elsewhere. Why are we interested in this? We've reported a few times on the cast about counterfeit board games. And the most frequent way that counterfeit board games get out into the wild tends to be through Amazon. And I want to explain a little bit about, I want to sort of reiterate a little bit about what happens. Let's say Carcassonne is in one place in the Amazon warehouse. And whenever, if Amazon's selling out directly, they have all their copies there. And if third parties are selling it, they have their copies there as well. And that means if anybody is selling counterfeit copies, they all go in one big pile. And when you buy a copy of Carcassonne from Amazon, a copy gets taken out of the pile and sent to you. So it might not even be that the third party you're buying from or Amazon had counterfeit copies in the first place. It's just all been in a model. So yeah, if this if this really means that that's going to happen worldwide for Amazon, then it could mean a bit of a crackdown on counterfeit products in general and hopefully counterfeit board games specifically. But we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. Amazon obviously has a massive legal department. It is a very, very powerful company. But yeah, it's interesting to see them sort of come to have a ruling come down on the wrong side for them i think that it's an interesting start in california i'm sadly skeptical to see how far this will spread because mm. um counterfeiting ain't going away no also please this is might just be me don't give your money to jeff bezos give your money to other th people not billionaires who don't care about you the man the man made like 13 billion dollars in a day during the pandemic he doesn't care about you he cares about he cares about his mega hyper yacht that doesn't have a helipad, so he's buying a smaller yacht that goes alongside it with a helipad. Yeah, I mean actually, I mean we do have Amazon affiliate links on the site, and I am sort of having second thoughts about whether we should keep those up. Oh, right sorry, now. I didn't realize we had Amazon affiliate links on it. Sorry, before I started my little tirade. Well, one of the reasons we put Amazon affiliate links on the site was to fund the cast a little bit better, allow us to buy games and like fund equipment and that kind of thing for the cast. And I did look at other options, but unfortunately, the Amazon affiliate program is the easiest one to link up with. But we still think you should support your for the local game store whenever you can. Absolutely, hundred percent. And obviously, you're much less likely to get counterfeit goods as well. Anyway, Jamie, talking about things that are not counterfeit and have been voted for by the community. Yep, let me just dust off my awards homburg. We have the Golden Geek Awards, the gaming awards of Board Game Geek, the website some people love to hate and some people hate to love, and let's just say it's a bit Marmite. They've been announced for this year. Usual categories have been included, of course. I'm not going to go through all of them because it might be a little bit boring. Interesting enough, this year... All the usual categories were included. I'm not going to go through all of them because, frankly, it's a little bit boring. But this year, being the year coming off 
2020, the year that shall not be forgotten, sadly. The category of Zoomable Game was included, which is won by Forgotten Waters by Mr. Bistro, J. Arthur Ellis, and Isaac Vega, and published by Plaid Hat Games, with runners-up being My City by Rana Knizia from Cosmos, and The Search for Planet X by Matthew O'Malley and Ben Rossett, published by Renegade Game Studios. Now, interestingly enough as well, there is no one Game of the Year category this year. Instead, there is a light game of the year, a medium game of the year, and a heavy game of the year. And guess what? That's not going to cause problems at all. Light game was won by Micro Macro Crime City by Johannes Sieks from Edition Spielweise and Pegasus Spiel. Medium game of the year was won by Lost Ruins of Arnak by Mean and Elvin from Czech Games Edition. And heavy game of the year was won by Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion by Isaac Childress from Cephalofair Games. Best podcast was won by So Very Wrong About Games. Well done. We'll get there someday. Oh, yes. Yes, congratulations to all the winners. I like that Zumble Game is on there. I wonder if that's going to continue to be a, a fixture, you know, as we seem to be getting back to quote-unquote normality, although as of recording this, there's been some changes in Scotland in the last day or two. So normality's going to have to take a little bit longer. See how long these some of these categories stay. I mean... They keep changing year on year, which is absolutely a good idea. The changing face of the industry, so changing the categories, so it's not the same ones. I mean, what do you think, for example, about there being a light, medium and heavy game of the year? Yeah, no, I, I think it's a good idea, splitting things up a little bit more. It's kind of inevitable as the industry grows and as they want to sort of attract more people in. You, you sort of see this thing with film awards as well, where things stray over the years. And yeah, there's there's some some good games in there that won won awards uh it's all voted for by the community of course so yeah it's what the community bgg think is are their games of the year so you can go and check those out and yeah i'd like to see zoomable game and that kind of thing hang around i think it will especially things like asthma day buying board game arena the digital tabletop platform we're definitely going to see that kind of thing hang around more we'll see like digital adaptions being in awards categories for a long time coming i would think now on to the rest of the news Ian, it's time for some updates. Yes, it is. Starting with uh, an update on the Zach Smith lawsuit that uh, we reported on back in episode 68. Uh, Zach Smith, or Zach S, as he is more commonly known, was bringing a suit against Gen Con. Uh, around the time of sexual assault allegations against Zach S, Gen Con took the decision to prevent him from attending the convention. Zach S. had brought a suit against Gen Con seeking financial reparation for the damage done. The court documents showed that the motion was started at 10.09 and it ended at 10.58. The case was dismissed. I doubt this will be the last time we'll be reporting on Zach S. and lawsuits. Yeah, well, also, we're bringing that to a close. For now. For now. Jamie, time to brush up on your best Jeremy Irons impression once more. What Jeremy Irons are you looking for? Are you looking for Jeremy Irons from Die Hard, Jeremy Irons from The Lion King, Jeremy Irons from... You know what I want, Jamie. Uh, you know what I want. <laughs> That's right. The Dungeons & Dragons film began shooting on the 29th of April. Jeremy Irons is not involved. This is a callback to the 2000 Dungeons & Dragons film, which is amazingly bad. Shockingly, I go for shockingly bad. Uh, it's amazingly bad. This Dungeons & Dragons film is being directed by Jonathan Goldstein, and the cast that we know about right now includes Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Justice Smith, and Bridgerton star Regé Jean Page. 
Now, cinemas are starting to reopen, so we encourage you to support your local cinema where you can. Hopefully, you know, local, if you can, local independent cinema, rather than, say, the huge, massive mega companies who, as I've said before, don't care about you. This isn't passport comedy. This is social commentary. But we return, Ian, to news from Board and Dice. Yes, so back in episode 65, we covered the racist attitudes of Daniel Tashini that had come to light and the fallout from that with his then-publisher, Board and Dice. Tashini is designer of many Euro-style games. Board and Dice have recently updated their statement with regards to their relationship with Daniel Tashini, being more specific as to what that means for reprints of some of Tashini's games that are still with Board and Dice and any future projects they had on the books with them. It's a pretty extensive update, so we're not going to go through it here, but we'll link to it in the show notes so you can read it for yourself. Yep, and I believe that is the end of our updates for now, but as we always say, we will keep you updated if any news transpires. We'll update the updates, is that what you're saying? We'll update the updates, and we'll just add to the update segment. I don't know. Well, I say that we're uh, stopping the updates, but this is sort of an update, but also its own story in its own right, which has kind of grown and ballooned to its own... Evolved, one might say. Evolved to, to its own monstrous thing, I might say. Its own pocket monstrous thing. Again, this is subpar comedy, but it's Saturday morning and I'm still a little bit tired. Ian, Pokemon cards. Yes, indeed, Pokemon cards. So you might have thought that we were done with Pokemon news, but the situation keeps getting weirder and regrettably a bit violent. Target, the store chain in the United States, has suspended sales of Pokemon cards after an incident at one of their branches where a gun was pulled during an assault over the cards. Target have also suspended sales of Major League Baseball, National Football League and National Basketball Association sport trading cards. So we've reported several times on the massive hike in the prices of Pokemon single cards and boxes and Walmart and Target have both seen people queuing outside, camping outside when stock is announced and this recent incident has just pushed them over the edge into not bothering to stock it anymore because it's just putting their staff in danger which is a completely reasonable stance to take we've reported on all sorts of weirdness with pokemon cards over the last year including the gentleman who scaled a high story building in japan to steal some cards in addition the craze around pokemon cards has put the auction houses that deal with assessing all the cards at whatever level they are, so like actually looking at cards and saying, yes, this is a perfect example, or this is whatever. Uh, they are now under extreme pressure, these auction houses, and we'll put a link to an article from Vice about that in the show notes, which is really worth a read. Fa- a sort of fascinating situation they're finding themselves in, where usually they'd see a few thousand cards a month. They're now seeing a few thousand cards a week. And they are years behind in sort of getting cards back to people, and it's causing all sorts of problems for them. Yeah, so if you think, I've got Pokemon cards in my attic, if you have an attic, I don't have an attic, but if you have a Pokemon card, you're like, oh, that might be worth something. Bearing in mind that if you do want to get it checked, it's going to take a while, and you've got to be sure that it is in tip-top mint condition. Yeah, the Vice story is specifically about the States, so I don't know what the, I think, I don't know what the situation is like over here, or whether there are auction houses over here that do it. Probably. Probably. I would think there would be. Anyway, Jamie, talking about companies getting into legal shenanigans... <laughs> you know it. We love it. Sort of. Monopoly. Hasbro's in a bit of legal hot water. A recent ruling has partially invalidated the Monopoly trademark in the EU after the EU General Court found that Hasbro's filing strategy was designed to avoid proving genuine use. According to the court, Hasbro admitted during proceedings that 
One of the advantages which justified the filing of the contested mark was not having to furnish proof of genuine use of that mark, and claimed this was common and accepted practice in the industry. The ruling sprang from a case where the Croatian creators of a game called Drinkopoly claimed that Hasbro had acted in bad faith with its trademark filings, as they were repetitions of earlier filings without proving that they were using it. The case may have major implications for brand owners, as rather than the cheaper route of refiling like Hasbro were, they will need to go down the more expensive route of proving fair use. Now let's see how long this lasts before Hasbro goes. Alright, we've done it. Let's get the hammer back down on these companies. We'd just like to take a moment to thank all our patrons for continuing to support us and the cast. It really helps us out to keep the website and cast running. And we'd especially like to thank our executive producer, Sean Newman, from the Gamelot team. We'll put links to all his stuff in the show notes. And you can also support us in a variety of ways on the site, including if you visit a company called Metallic Dice Games. They have got a little discount for us. If you use the code ROLL with brains, all one word, all capital letters, you'll get a 10% discount on their lovely metal dice and various dice-based accessories. They're very, very nice things. Heavy enough to, you know, knock out a player. <laughs> should you want to. Not that I ever have. Well, you know. That lawsuit never went anywhere. No, it didn't. And we're not allowed to talk about it as terms of the settlement. Indeed. Right, before we go, Monopoly news. Oh, some more Monopoly news. We had legal Monopoly news, now we've got the, the, the real meat of the stuff. Now, you've played Monopoly on the board. You might have played Monopoly digitally, but have you ever played it in real life? Oh, get ready for Monopoly life-sized. GamePath has created a participatory gameplay attraction, combining Monopoly and escape rooms, where you'll be led about one of four 15 by 15 meter Monopoly boards in a 75 minute game against other teams. You've got one of the four boards are Classic, Classic London Monopoly, City, their interpretation of downtown London, Bank, Secret Heist Vault of Mr. Monopoly, and the Children's Board, suitable for ages five and up. Now, Julia Posen, head of development at GamePath, has said, Hasbro's original board game continues to lead the market year in, year out, and is loved globally by every generation that has grown up with the game. When you step into the world we're creating, we promise a dynamic, lively, interactive experience, and a great night out. Get ready for high risks and high rewards, where there's no ceiling to winning, as long as you can stay out of jail. This is opening uh, on the Tottenham Court Road in London in August. Now, we are announcing a new Patreon goal. What? If you give us enough money, we will send Ian to experience the new Monopoly live experience. I'm sorry, well, we'll do what now? <laughs> That's right, you heard it here first. People at home and Ian. I don't want to go. <laughs> well, if the people want it, the people shall pay for it. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll get that sorted out in the Patreon, shall I? Good, thank you, Ian. Okay, great, thanks. And thank you very much for listening. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way is ever to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're mostly active on Twitter if you want to get in touch with us. Our website is giantbrain.co.uk and you can email us about anything in the show or any bits of news you'd like us to cover at giantbrainuk at gmail.com and if you just want to talk to us about anything in the cast or come and play some games with us, you can join our Discord as well. We'll put an invite link in the show notes and do come along. We've got a nice little community brew in there. And yeah, it's been really good. We hope to see you there soon. Look after yourselves. 
Bye. Bye.